DAOs, the centralized autonomous organization, this infinite design space of new forms of collaboration. So many opportunities to rewrite how we organize work, social circles, resource allocation, and more. And so many opportunities to overcomplicate things, design terrible systems with crappy incentive and worse governance models. The example being the ubiquitous token voting. I am personally still super excited about DAOs. The book on organizational theory, Reinventing Organizations, shows examples of very successful companies outside of Web3 that share ownership, responsibility, and accountability among all employees, creating more empowering and egalitarian systems. DAOs seem to be the perfect feat to overcome some of the challenges that these organizations face, but are DAOs ready to make it into the mainstream? Onco aims to do just that, slowly introduce the best of Web3, tokenization of value and ownership, without the complicated UX and dubious regulatory situation of Web3. The idea is to be a Trojan horse to introduce DAO practices in Web2 companies until they are ready to own themselves. Sasha and Mo from Onco are experts in the fields of DAOs, and so is Diorg, the first DAO ever registered as an LLC. If you want more content from experts like these, hit subscribe, follow, or like right now. Owning the microphone, Sasha and Mo from Onco. Hey everyone, thank you for the warm welcome. So my name is Sasha. I'm here with Mo, both from Onco. Um, we're a small startup, originally based um, out of Berlin, but we're a fully remote company. We are working on promoting co-ownership, user ownership, and we've built a solution that enables any company to share ownership with anyone based on their contributions. Uh, my background is in systems theory and systems thinking, which is complexity science, and I specialized in organizational cybernetics, which is biomimicry. So I've spent a lot of my time thinking about how, we, how do you design organizations that use the network as a metaphor, and how do you copy patterns from nature and apply those to org design. In the DAO space, it's typically referred to as you know, interactions between the HQ DAO and sub DAOs. I've sort of run systems design at Onco. And Mo here can say a few words about himself. Oh, hey guys. Uh, so I'm Mo. Um, my background is in uh, computer engineering. Um, I was doing like research in robotics, but was interested in like the whole blockchain at around 2017. Um, I joined the company. Then we were doing a marketplace that was uh, connecting uh, different sides investors to uh, companies that wanted to do investments. Um, and four years after I joined Recursive, here we are. Cool. So what we want to do with Onco is essentially help companies share ownership. And why do we want to do that? Because we think uh, shared ownership is the key to reducing wealth and influence inequality. And um, we believe that ownership should basically be distributed based on contribution to value and governance should be distributed based on contributions of value. That's obviously tricky unless you have a more, uh, an improved definition of value and a better way of measuring and accounting for it. But we're also working on that. And, you know, what is ownership? There's it's obviously a philosophical sort of question, but um, we define it as having control of the resources and the rules of a system. And, you know, we, uh, you'll see when we talk about the tech stack in a minute, we're short-term pragmatists and long-term maximalists. We believe in the long-term promise um, of DLT, but we also notice the reality of where most people are today and where traditional organizations and users are today. And that in a lot of cases is 
you know, they have the intent to share ownership and they want to build more equitable companies, but they are struggling to share ownership. So the most companies that we talk to are traditional Web2 companies, platforms, marketplaces, co-ops. So they vary in terms of their motivation and expertise um, around shared ownership. What they typically have in common is they struggle to share ownership in the sense that they don't know where to start. They don't know what to share, how much of it. They then look to either alternative ownership models that are sort of deeply embedded in the existing traditional legal system like purpose um, or co-ops and find those to be too rigid or they go to DAOs and DAO tools or tokens more broadly speaking and find those to be too complex. So what we've done is we've basically over the last year and a half built or had lots of conversations with hundreds of companies and like many, many more users around shared ownership. And um, what we learned is there's like three big issues that they have. There's a big skill gap, even like serial CEOs struggle with sharing ownership and designing cap tables, which I guess is the equity equivalent of a token economy. And um, that means that's a struggle. Then integrating tokens and with your existing legal entity makes it even harder. There's a huge cost in terms of the time and the money you would need to build it yourself. Um, they then look to crypto and Web3. And what they see there is, you know, it's it's a bit of a legal gray area or at least not a tried and tested approach. Some of the things that raise concerns is the enforceability of decisions, um, the compliance of tokens, unless they are real world asset tokens that are bridged. And yeah, so so the big three issues are typically around that. And what we've done is we've built Onco. And Onco is a pragmatic solution that basically lets companies tokenize real world assets. And then you can distribute them using what we call reputation tokens that you can earn by completing actions that help the platform or marketplace. So it's a solution that, you know, is an infrastructure play. So we make it really easy for you to set up your own co, which is your own company. And as part of that setup step, you create a simple action and reward token incentive, which just means if you complete this action, you get X number of tokens and you can then create in the next step a treasury where you can tokenize real world assets off chain, use our standardized legal bridges and um, fill up the treasury with actual assets. So income streams from your legal entity, your marketplace, your platform, your core, and then you can distribute those valuable tokens because they're bridged with with your token holders right that have already contributed to your business so that in a quick run through is this is the solution we've developed this over the over a year and a half Mo's going to talk about the tech stack in more detail uh in in a second and yeah we it's in use with co-ops marketplaces and platforms that are looking to share ownership in an easy and pragmatic way they get a full stack solution which means you can onboard uh customers um, and users, you can create token incentives, you can bridge assets from your real world legal entity, and you can create a community page to market the token and to drive token adoption where users can sign up themselves and support the business. And yeah, it's really easy to set up. We try to standardize everything and tokenize, uh, sorry, templatize. We're not tokenizing. We're templatizing, um, reward and incentive models. So imagine, you know, over all the projects we've done in, in, in the last couple of months, what, what we've seen is just an easy sort of repeatable patterns. Like there's signups, you want to incentivize top contributors, traditional ownership sharing with employees. 
Um, our system works by tokenizing RSUs and VSOPs, which means it counts as compensation, so it doesn't need to be registered as a security, and um, that makes it legally compliant. We have customers in several jurisdictions, US, Europe, um, and even Asia. It's pretty easy to run. Once you've created your token incentives, you can easily manage those and co-owners. Um, and because of the way we've set up the tech stack, everything has a gives customers peace of mind. You can have this giant undo button, so some of the actions are reversible. And yeah, Mo, if you want, I pasted this in here. I, I hope I didn't surprise you with it, but um, feel free to talk about the tech stack. I mean, so the, the main point maybe that I would talk about is how are we making this uh, easy for the users, right? Because they could log in with an email and password. And um, that's one part I would talk about a little bit. And the uh, idea is that so we have a private chain, which is a proof of authority, uh, Geth node, so it runs um, everything similar to, let's say, uh, Ethereum. And the reason behind that is that we want to stay close as much as possible while not doing conducting transactions on the mainnet or L2s. So it allows companies almost a way to have a sandbox to test things out and um, allows them to slowly go through the process uh, or the journey of decentralization. So. We won't force a project or a company basically to fulfill some specific um, property, but it's through it's it's on them to follow what level of decentralization they want to do. And so some companies would want to stay closed um, until they figure more things out and others would go further and further through the journey. And once that happens, then we will have a process of um, helping them migrate towards um, a mainnet basically and um, being let's say in the, at the end almost of the journey of decentralization so this is one point i would uh, give and maybe there's like uh, qas right on okay excellent thank you thank you so much for this presentation perfect in timing i have to say congratulations on that and yeah now it's time to to put you on the hot seat Okay, so talked about reputation tokens and different sort of token strategies and how you can uh, share uh, ownership based on a series of incentives. And as a systems engineer, I'm sure you're familiar to the COBRA effect or perverse incentives effect, but I'm going to repeat it here just in case um, so, some people uh, in the call are hearing, uh, are hearing of it for the first time. So the COBRA effect is, is when refers to the fact that when, when you give incentives for, for a certain thing, people are going to, to optimize for doing this certain thing. And it's called the cobra effect because in, in New Delhi, in India, under the British rule, they had too many cobras that were killing people with their poison. And they said, for each cobra that you bring me, I'm going to pay you. And people, at the beginning, it was, it was very successful. People started killing cobras and bringing them to the, to the authorities. Uh, but then other people started breeding cobras. Um, in order to be able to, to have some income. And uh, when, when the authorities knew that this was happening, they, they stopped the, giving the incentive and the people that were breeding cobras let them all lose. And the end result was that there was more cobras out there after this measure than before this measure. So this, in your case, it's kind of like very dangerous because if what you're giving is part of the ownership of the of the company you you're giving away you, you can't just take this back you're giving away the ownership of the company how do you tackle this 
I love the, the the perverse incentive of the uh, breeding cobras. You know, I'm we're at a stage as a young company where I'd say I I'll take the cobras that are being bred. But uh, to to answer to your to your point more seriously, um, you know what we try and avoid is uh, with in the conversations with customers that we onboard is we we try and avoid um, them thinking tokens or uh, sharing ownership is a is a means to an end to find a business model or to fix something because it's not. So we try to dissuade them from creating incentives that might mask product market fit or actual valuable contributions, right? So yeah, that's a super valid point. And I, I don't know if anyone's found an answer for it. What we try to do is we try to make it clear that you need to be careful what you get, you get what you incentivize. I, I so guess far, we have outgrowths that are too super bad for their customers. I guess like this is what I what I meant is like the the fact that we have like sort of templates right like you you mentioned that you had like already built models uh, how like have you found a case where there needs to be more customization than what the template is so mo most customers start with us um, with grand ideas of sharing ownership, and that is twofold. Like one is they want to share a lot of ownership until they realize um, the implications, and the other is they have all these um, different incentives they want to set up. And then we try to just bring it back to our standardized framework of how do you start sharing ownership? And there's three steps that we that we tell them. So that's the larger framework. The first one is build conviction and momentum across your existing user base to share ownership which you do with one simple incentive, action reward pair, and that's typically referrals. So that's where it starts. And this template then fits in um, into this larger three-step framework towards deep progressively decentralizing. And the first step being a simple incentive, the second step being maybe an additional incentive. So on top, if it's a marketplace or platform, you're now incentivizing not just the supply side, but also the demand side. And now you have two incentives that are live and people are getting more comfortable with sharing ownership using tokens and you've done it in steps. So you've only tokenized, let's say, 1% of your cap table in the first step. In the second step, you now have your more active um, co-owner community, and you can involve them in the incentive design. So it's not like top-down decentralized, uh, but instead you start um, sharing ownership, uh, designing ownership, co-ownership incentives collectively. And then the last step, which we haven't reached with any company yet, is um, intended to be just an, a continuation of that second step more co-design and more co-ownership. Wow, thank you. That that was great. That was a great explanation. Thank you. Uh, so the first question I had is, how does the treasury work if the organization is using your private POA uh, chain? Because it's a private chain, right, the company at that stage is not thinking from the context of a decentralized organization. So there is no treasury in the sense that um, you you have, let's say, a DAO and you have a treasury that you are controlling more than the, it's a, a reference to that. The company has uh, still a full control of this. Um, they uh, still have full, um, they could conduct any transaction they would want to do uh, for the treasury. So there is no like um, governance in that case. But as the company progresses and um, as they go, let's say, to mainnet, the moment that is the case, then of course it will be a relationship with the smart contracts and it depends on their um, governance structure of how they want to uh, conduct the treasury and how they want to um, utilize it. Okay, got it. And and then when they migrate to mainnet, um, is it possible to migrate you know, all, all those shares of ownership that they accumulated off-chain? 
So our idea is that, uh, yes, uh, the migration will have a special uh, process. Uh, we're still thinking of, uh, let's say, the best way to do this. Uh, but for sure, what we want is to guarantee that uh, what have happened in the private chain is uh, guaranteed and uh, has a proof. So if a user, let's say, um, a migration occurs and uh, one user or one co-owner uh, feels that there is uh, something not right, they have the right to claim and there's a whole process to this. So yes, the idea is that uh, the same the, the same data becomes uh, replicated and it's almost like a full move to uh, mainnet. Okay, awesome. You talk about the value that it's subjective. What's the most common mechanisms that you guys are using to measure this value and how to distribute these, these tokens? And if you can share how many organizations, their feedback, if you have a really high bounce rate from those organizations, if they're still active. Also, in how you handle distribution disputes. Is it possible to slash members? Cool. I hope I, I got them all. It's So it starts with like ownership should be based on contribution, right? Which then throws up the question, what, you know, what is what is a contribution? And what is a definition of value? And I think we can all agree here that, you know, the way we define value, whether it's GDP or standard Web2 KPIs or even Web3 KPIs like TVL, you know, they're really poor proxies for the health of a community or co-ownership or um, an organization or a country. And um, so I think there's going to need to be this massive shift where we redefine value, how we account for it, how we measure it. Um, but we're not going to wait and see and, and how that plays out. And um, the way we are, uh, we've set up the system is we're going to say, OK, we take existing Web2 um, performance management system, whether it's your HR system, your OKR system, your CRM, it doesn't really matter. You have a definition of performance in that, whether it's good or not, we for the moment don't care about. We take that performance uh, data and we connect it to the distribution of, of reputation tokens. So for now, we work with the existing definition of performance, value, whatever it is that's contextual and uh, sort of based on the, on, on, on the user context and customer. And we just use that as a trigger to distribute ownership tokens. And yeah, in the long run, I mean, we'd, we'd hope to find a different way to uh, define value, measure value and account for it so that you know, governance distribution, ownership distribution can be even more equitable. I think that'll take time to play out. Do we slash uh, users? So we wouldn't use that term, I don't think, but like, because it's a POA, what we can do is we can build in, you know, undo buttons. There's some flexibility around time delays and rollbacks or safeguards that allow you to have another say just before you distribute ownership or just after. Hope that uh, answered it. Yes, totally. And is it possible to question the mechanism? Like once it's built, can you change it? Or is it once and that's it? So we're big believers in fractals, which means everything should be small groups, small nodes, right? So we think big companies are going to be micro companies. Teams become micro companies with their own token cap tables and not Nike becomes a DAO. But instead, Nike Sales Berlin becomes a small own co. And then you have a definition of value that's more easy to manage. It's more easy to govern because it's a small community, it's a small team. So all the problems you get in larger groups now disappear, right? Voter apathy, consensus around definitions of value, measurements of value. In like a group of 10, 15, 20 people, it's a lot easier, right? Um, so that's how we think about it. And that's how the system is generally designed on the meta level. And then the in the UI, it just expresses as pools. So you can create pools that are groups of people that um, can share ownership based on certain actions. 
And that means they're super flexible to answer your question, right? So you could set up a pool that's temporary. You can set up a pool that's that's permanent. You can share ownership by connecting to an HR system or an OKR system. And you can change how those tokens are distributed for the pool or while the pool is live. Whether it's linear distribution where you want to incentivize early um, contributors or linear distribution, it doesn't really matter. Or you just want to airdrop inside of that pool. It's really flexible. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you. Hey, I'm curious. We've talked mostly about the supply supply side, giving out the token, but in terms of what the token actually gives you in terms of rights, specifically on economic rights, is there an on-chain mechanism for doing revenue share, dividend distribution, or even redemption in the case of liquidity events? Yeah, so how it currently works, what we what we bridge as real-world assets, and we're super bullish on real-world assets um, as a as a way to give formerly magic bean tokens some actual economic value um, is uh, RSUs for the US market, restricted stock units. It's just a standard way um, to share ownership that's proven and tested and outside of, you know, it's not going to get contested. Um, and then for Europe, we have virtual stock options. And basically, you know, how I said, we, we, we look at ownership just essentially as it's just economic benefit, right? Like you said. Um, so whether the proxy is a real share in equity or, or an RSU, we don't really care. The end user doesn't really care. So they just get economic benefits that are attached to these real-world asset tokens. Um, and at the moment, that means exit proceeds, any liquidity event you can stipulate in a, in a standard legal agreement that is an RSU or VOOP contract. So liquidity events is the most common one, like exit proceeds, what happens in case of sale of the company. Um, income streams through revenue sharing, or um, if you just want to top up uh, fiat to the treasury, um, that's also possible. So those are sort of the, the economic benefits we can grant through the existing system. We're seeing like new customers now where, you know, I think what this where we're heading towards is people can just connect their own contracts and tokenize their own assets and use our platform just, just for the, the rest of it. But in the end, it'll always be economic benefits. And so far we've... Yeah, focus on RSU and VSOPs. Got it. Thanks. And, and specifically on the case of um, dividends or revenue share, would that happen for off-chain through through Stripe, for example, or would you be passing that through to the addresses and, and die or similar? Yeah. So I would say it depends on what level of decentralization um, a company is at and what is the structure. And so Stripe is a very nice uh, example that you mentioned it and yeah as a company just begins and um, using this private chain which is a locked system actually uh, stripe is one way to utilize this when we go uh, like as the company goes on chain of course there needs to be some other solutions um, utilizing maybe some form of it depends uh, like i think at that stage they would need to pick what form of compensation does this a decentralized organization represent and um, also it's not a, only a technical or a product question it's also a jurisdiction based so depending on the company's jurisdiction i think they will have uh, different limitations thanks i've got uh, i've got one more question for you you're using a private chain for authority who is running this is there one per company is there a per company deployment you use the same for all of them what is the privacy between these companies if any how does this chain work yes that's a very good question we are um, owning this private chain all companies are in the same uh, private chain so they have their data but in order to access this chain they have to you do it 
through our backend service. And so, yes, uh, there is privacy in the sense that no company could just access um, other data that they shouldn't access. So it's all controlled uh, from our side. So it's not really like you don't really need a chain for that. You just need a backend. Yes, that is absolutely the case. You could think of it even as a, a very slow database on some level. Um, and the idea is, the, like I was saying, so at this stage, it's it's really not about decentralization. It is not about going forward. It's more about introducing companies as they start to these concepts. And then as they go more and more towards this journey of decentralization, it's easier and like it's the same smart contracts that are running in this chain. It will be similar smart contracts that will run on this other chain. And so it makes the whole process more simultaneous. But at the current state, if a company just signs up with an email and password, it's not so different than um, yeah, using a database. Yeah, totally get it. And then by by getting them used to this type of smart contracts, then when they move to a chain that, that takes care of the security and you can take the training wheels off and say like, hey, whatever, whatever happens now, nobody has the admin button anymore. Um, you're, you're on your own here. But they have already been trained on, on how to use everything. It's a, would you say it's a way to mitigate risk? I would say it's definitely a way to also introduce, um, it's a way to um, hand, like, handhold or reach out to these companies that are very interested but are uh, scared. And so um, it's a, a way to mitigate risk, but it's also a way to allow them to test out um, what this technology means uh, or and how what are the different implications of it? Um, so by the end, yes, they need to be very aware of what uh, are the implications of being fully decentralized. In a way, focusing on, on creating the systems and the co-ownership and less on just look at me, I'm using blockchain, this kind of thing. All right, perfect. With that, I think we've reached the end. And I have to say very, very big thank you uh, to you for coming here, for explaining this. And, and honestly, I think that, that your approach that, uh, of like, sort of like dressing it as a blockchain and, and introducing them slowly to the co-ownership, to the DAO space, but without really using a DAO, this, this UX, this pragmatic uh, pragmatic short term, but <laughs> but committed or maximalist long term definitely definitely works. Well, I mean it's it's there to see to work, but uh, but I really like uh, I really like this approach. I think a lot of uh, a lot of the DAOs are failing because uh, the UX is just absolutely dreadful. Thank you so much for coming. We're going to continue with our all hands. I personally will be following you um, to see how this evolves. Yeah, I mean, we're all working on the same thing, right? Sharing sharing ownership and making that mainstream. And I wish everyone here success on that endeavor. And thanks again for the opportunity. Really love it. Yes, thank thanks you so you much for the opportunity so much. Thank you. Thank you. Have an excellent one.